This, 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 this is mythical. Ear Biscuits is supported by AC Pro. It's blazing hot outside. You get into your car and turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows out hot air. The issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Welcome to Ear Biscuits, the podcast where two lifelong friends talk about life for a long time. I'm Link. And I'm Red. This week at the round table of dim lighting, we are talking about sibling dynamics and personality tropes, specifically mm-hmm. the whole birth order thing. We actually put a prompt out to you uh, saying exactly that. Let's talk sibling dynamics and personality tropes on Ear Biscuits. Tell us how being the oldest, youngest, middle, or only child influence who you are, feel free to dish dirt on your parents and siblings too. Yeah. So we're gonna group this conversation by uh, the type of sibling that they said they were and you know, we'll we'll get in where we fit in, but I think it, 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 we should probably just go ahead and establish what we are. Yeah, well between the two of us, we represent two different things and between our families, we represent all the categories. Everything. I'm a younger child. You're you younger have one, sibling of you, two. You have one other older brother. One older brother. Cole. His name not, is Cole. Not spelled like the like the rock. It's not a rock. It was originally, but then he changed it out of embarrassment. Just kidding. It's a family name. C O L E. Age difference is uh, age difference is about three years. Uh, but school was. He was a he was a was senior in high years? school when you were a freshman. Would you call that three years? I would call that three years. Three years, yeah. They'd both so, be in high school together, and so two, about two and a half years in age, and about three years in school. Yeah, I'm an only child. <laughs> yeah, surprise, the, surprise. The one, <laughs> the one and the only, the special. You know, it. If it ain't broke, don't have more kids. I'm I'm like, just pristine and a perfect little baby. Just like an only child would say. Yeah, I know, of course, I'm I'm totally joking. I've got, maybe maybe there's some bitterness that I'm gonna uncover once we get to discussing my experience. I did have half siblings for a while. Well, I had a, had a, a half, not a half sister, I had a stepsister in the house for like grade school and she was in high school and then by the time I was in third grade-ish, Mom got a divorce and it was just me and mom. She was not, she had, I mean, she might've had prospects to make more babies. We haven't discussed this. Prospects. But um, I mean. I remember a few. She had some boyfriends. I remember a few boyfriends. <laughs> the brown, You remember the brownie points boyfriend? Brownie points. We always talk about brownie points guy. He's He stuck out the most. She was, she was dating him. Walt? And, uh, yeah, his name was Walt. <laughs> I don't know how I remember that. By that time, I was—I must have been sixteen because I would—I would come home. You were home. younger than that when they started dating. I do remember being sixteen and driving home, and Mom wasn't home because her car was wasn't under the carport, but his car was there, and he was sitting, sitting on the stoop. On the stoop, I'm pretty sure he was drinking a Where beer. The, he had a six pack. Yeah, <laughs> I remember this story. I wasn't there. Yeah, well, we I just remember it. my mom telling me, she was like, now, 
Link got home and walked, was sitting on the stoop drinking beer. He had a whole six pack. That's I just remember. The, I mean, that's it, just the start of just, a night. And I was like, Whoa. Of a nice Netflix and chill. Right. Well, is no, what he but was in, in our world, it was like he may be dangerous. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's how I thought about it. And and I was like, it was weird for me. It wasn't like my mom wanted to make sure that I was okay with her dating somebody. Walt was a fine guy. You know, there was there was nothing wrong with the guy. He was. I mean, I seem to remember him a, a bit of a tool. Like, I mean, yes, there was a time when he he dropped us off at the party and on the way there, my mom was in the car too, but it was me and you being dropped off at like a, probably what was like a eighth grade or ninth, ninth grade makeout party. Yeah, the best. And he, he started talking about brownie points. Mm-hmm. And I still didn't really understand. Don't know what that, that But I'm pretty meant. sure I got some that night. You got some brownie I points. I racked up on brownie points. Uh, she also dated Okay. It, this is just in terms of me dishing who my mom dated. <laughs> this has nothing to do with what we're gonna talk about. Happily remarried. Let's, can you just table yeah. the, that conversation? Let's, just, let's table that. Because um, you've got three children. But I'm basically an only child, and then I got three children. So, so you've got older, middle, and younger, and I've got two boys. That's why we had three. Older and younger. Just to see what uh, it was like. I knew about the middle child tropes, and so we didn't have a middle child on purpose. No, I think you forgot to have a middle child. Uh, and our kids are. That's what happens with middle children. Five years? Forgotten. So five years apart, your kids are like two years apart each, right? Uh, uh, no, Land- two Lando's and then... a little bit more. Lando's 11, Lily's 18, Lincoln's 16. Whoa, so like five, so yeah. you got like two and then five. Yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, so before we get into some of the, the uh, some of the responses, we did a little boopity boop research. I do wanna just, just up top here, a lot of the, the responses that we're going to give are going to fall into what you may already have in your mind as a trope or as what you think is established science about some of these stereotypes right. of middle child, you know, the different sibling order. But just to kind of get all that out of the way without getting into it, if you take all the studies and try to condense them down to just some sort of predictable, guidelines or understanding of sibling order. You guessed it, it's indeterminate. It's inconclusive. There, Lots of conflicting data. Uh, and, and, I, and I'm not saying that it, it doesn't exist, and I'm not saying that sibling order doesn't have an impact on who you are, but most of the studies seem to indicate that once you become an adult, these things, the other things about your personality kind of went out and it isn't what order you were born in that determines who you're gonna be for the rest of your life. I don't know if that's comforting or upsetting, to you based on how you've, you've thought about your life. Of course, once you get into the specific dynamics of the specific people that you grew up with, that has a tremendous impact on who you are as a person, but you just, but just to boil it down to birth order is, um, you know, it oversimplifies things and science is not gonna and, and I think I, pin I, you down. I actually, I am, um, I'm resistant to this, even though this is what the science shows or doesn't show. Yeah, I know. I'm resistant to it because I've always thought about my children, and well, really, not as much my kids. I think my kids kind of go against this in some ways, but me and my brother, I think, hit some of those tropes, and I've always thought that me compared to you hit some of the tropes of grew up with kid, grew up with siblings, grew up as an only child. Yeah, I've yeah. always attributed some of the things about you and some of the things about me and our differences to that. And maybe I've just been wrong all along. 
Let's start with oldest and work our way down. That way, uh, you know, we're saving the best for last. And I'm talking about me, the only child. Exactly. <laughs> Starting with Jay Duh. That's Jada Leifrost. Jada Lee Frost. Oh, isn't being the oldest horrible? Hmm. The trial kid. They test it all out on us, then the younger ones have it easier. This might be the most universal trope. I think the next one we'll read is it vies for that position, but yeah, you know, I mean, certainly when Lily came along, you know, you got this first child, you want to do you want to do everything right. And especially, you know, there there's people here having babies like here on earth. Ke- Kevin a- a- oh, here at Mythical. Mythical. Kevin's wife just had a baby. Yeah. Uh they're doing great. And they're at such a you know, I was just reflecting they're at such a different point in their lives the than beginning. we were when we started having full of hope. But they're older, you know? Ke- right. Kevin's older, he's wiser. He can, you know, he's I anticipate he's not gonna wig out in the way that I did when I would like, I just, I still felt kind of like a newlywed. Well, because just, couple a, few, of years of marriage, just a few years before tw- you were a teenager. years old, yeah. It was, you were a few years removed from teenagehood. So definitely with us as young, young parents of a first and eventually oldest child is that you wanna get everything right and you, th- there was all these rules and systems in place of, in the Neil house for Lily and I think that we were trying a lot out on her that then, yeah, it absolutely, everything that we experienced with Lily impacted what we pivoted to with Lincoln or with Lando. I mean, you know, it's, I'm trying to think of an example that doesn't have to do with like punishing the kids, but like you go from, I mean, is it, I brought up spanking on Good Mythical Morning. It's the, like, I guess that's really controversial. Like, (laughs) I guess. But and it, it what, is it is today it is yes and Lando was never spanked Lily was not spanked a lot but there was but it was something that was taught and that was part of a system and you know it was there were certain ways that you could go about it that were you know not abusive I think was what was going on in our minds I'm not saying that spanking across the board is abusive I'm still not going to say that. Because my experience with her was that it was, I felt like we were we were doing the right thing. We changed our minds over the next two kids. Well, b- by the time we got to Lando, really, we changed our minds. But um, Lily didn't Lily didn't need a lot of spanking anyway. So it wasn't like we really wrestled with it. We just kind of moved on, and it wasn't. We moved to timeouts pretty quickly, even with Lily. I will say that. But with timeout, timeouts didn't work with Lincoln, and then with Lando they did. Culturally, uh, where we, not just in North Carolina, but again, where we, the culture that we were a part of in North Carolina, it was, uh, you know, spare the rod, spoil the child, right? And so basically everyone was, again, we're talking spanking on the bottom that's we're limiting it to that, um, but then there was this sort emotion, of emotion, an emotion like not not, not out bringing, of anger, not out of anger, right? Basically, honestly, the way that I was brought up, right? Like my brother and I were both spanked. It was um, again, my wife is the one who's done the research and the reading on all this stuff, and I, our wives right. are the one that do that do all of the reading about parenting and most of the parenting. 
Let's just be honest. Um, yeah. But, uh, and Jesse has strong feelings about this, basically saying that she she feels, she's completely sort of flipped her perspective on the role of the uh, of spanking. Now, I, um, but just to say that I think that there, there's definitely a spectrum of how it can be administered, right? I'm not. We're not here to defend it, and we're not here. I'm. Why well, don't even, you? Here we are. I'm sorry. I, I you got brought you it up this. again, and I. And it's like it's such a controversial thing that I just don't even want to. But it's a good illustration of like if you got your first child and she gets spanked, and then your third child never gets spanked. I mean, it is a good example of like how things change and you you learn. And well, and we. I'm were, sorry, but if you're the first child, in one way or another, or in every way. You inform what happens with every other child. There, moving forward, and I—I I mean, I guess what I can say is that, that seems like it sucks to me. The same thing was true in in our household, and Locke was the one who was—you know—we were go undergoing sort of our own personal evolution. We were our worldview was being turned completely upside down as our kids grew up, which is a whole different, a whole different thing. That's studies true. will be done about our our kids in this generation because there are so many people whose worldviews are changing right now. Uh, but setting that aside, if you just isolate that, the way that we punished Locke, both the frequency, the intensity, was definitely we were more lenient with Shepard. But it but it wasn't just because he was a younger child. It was because we were changing the way that we were thinking about parenting. And I could say that thus and I far say in discipline specifically, there doesn't seem to be a not a notable difference between the two of them in that particular. It's it's more determined by their disposition and their personality, and less the way that we are interacting with them. That's that's another thing that I think has shifted for me over time. And I do think that the science shows this is that one of the sort of the ideas from the culture that we came from is that the parents have. It's just the weight of responsibility, like your kids, I mean literally just Bible verses that talk about if you train a child in, up in the way that they should go, you know, they will not depart from it when they become an adult. And so there's actually a lot of shame uh, in, in, in a lot of, you know, sort of religious circles when your kid sort of departs from that or your kid ends up being a hellion when they grow up because that means that you did something wrong. Mm -hmm. And I think that I'm kind of coming to the conclusion that like, yes, parenting is very important, but a lot of it is kind of based on what you model, not what you say, and also a lot based on their disposition. So that's a little bit of an aside. And we were very focused on, even at the beginning, based on the books that we were reading, like I remember there was a book called Shepherding a Child's Heart, mm -hmm. which I thought was very helpful I don't remember the specifics of it now, so I'm not recommending it now. It was so long ago, uh, you know, 17, 16 years ago. But um, being focused on not just getting a kid to robotically respond and do what we want the kid to do, but understand our children's hearts and who who they are and 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 how to shepherd their heart into blossoming as a a loving individual and you yeah. know like a, a well developed um and in probably yeah at at certain times it boils down to just well mannered <laughs> kid so so but this wasn't tr i got to say can't th i can't think of another tr trial some other things that i changed this wasn't true for me as a child though my it's almost like 
I mean, my dad was so consistent. He was so consistent, and, and my mom. Both of them were so consistent mm -hmm. in what they thought and how they parented from the beginning until we left. And it, I don't, I never perceived a noticeable change between the way that I was treated and the way that my brother was treated. Um, now, hmm, so you so you don't think Cole would say he was the trial, and then they adjusted for you? That may have been happening, but I never sensed it. Right, okay. and looking back, I, there's no, I don't have any tangible examples of that. But for my kids, it's more of a 100% yes. The 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 leniency that we that we operate with towards um, Shepherd is definitely higher higher than what we did with Locke, and it's based less on. I mean, I think it's a combination of just like you're a little, you only have so much attention. Other now, there's two of them. I can right. only devote so much attention to them. But also, it's just, I this didn't seem to work that well. They didn't. He didn't listen to all. He didn't listen. He mm -hmm. didn't do all the stuff that we asked him to do. So why don't we just let the second one just be be a little bit more free? Uh, taking care of Mama tweeted back at us uh, as an oldest child. That stereotype of the firstborn being more cautious and law abiding totally true in my experience. I would even go so far as to say that I did a terrible job of breaking in my parents before my sister got old enough to break the rules. Yeah, like I said, we we had lots of rules and uh, parameters uh, for Lily, and I think that you know you you grow up in that world, and you're like, okay, this is the you know she responded to it, so she became the uh, reliable um, rule follower that then you know kind of became as as Lincoln and then Lando entered the scene, she was she was. Sometimes we treat her like a third adult. A lot of first uh, uh, oldest children responded and said that like they're the third parent, like the the babysitter all the time. Ha being given substantial responsibility to take care of the siblings and to follow those rules and to be reliable and and counted on is something that well, uh, and the, and the, ne the negative you know, just aspect pr just of that practically it plays out that way. But the ne negative aspect of that is the bossiness, right? Like I see, yeah. I seem to remember Lily going through like the bossy older sister phase, mm -hmm. which she f definitely seems like she's well out of that at this yeah, point. Every, everything that her that we said to her, then she was like, "Oh, here's a younger kid in the house now. I can say it to Lincoln, you know. I I can, and and can you fault her? It's like." She's reinforcing the things that, that we would have said to Lincoln well, too. We, you know? We've had like, to say, I can't tell you how many times we've had to say, this is not quite as common as it was maybe even a year ago, but for several years, Jesse would have to say, Locke, I'm parenting right now. You know, like, <laughs> because Shepard would be getting in trouble for something. She would be saying something, or I would be saying something. And then Locke was like, yeah, and, and he's like, he gets in on it, right? <laughs> it's like, no, 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 that's not your role. Your role is not to parent. But specifically what we're talking about with this whole rule follower thing, again, I think this is where it comes down to your specific personality. And we're going to, like we keep promising it, we're going to do the Enneagram episode, right? But Yes. Um, so kids, kids are different <laughs> and recognizing uh, like the fact that Locke, as I've said before, is more of a challenger. So if when he sees a rule, he questions the rule. It's not just like the rule exists, you follow it. The rule exists, He his immediate response is, why does that rule exist? 
Is that rule actually good? Does that rule intend what it is, what it says that it's intending to prevent, right? Uh, whereas Shepard is more just like, he, I wouldn't say he's a rule follower, but I wouldn't say that he's a rule breaker either. I would say that he's kinda just his own person and if the rules suit him, he'll follow them and if they don't, he won't. <laughs> but again, so this isn't, this doesn't seem to be true in my, with, with my kids. I don't, I wouldn't say, this one's a rule follower, this one's not. And right, maybe it's a little bit, I mean, you, you how would you perceive me and, and my brother growing up? I, I, you could, you might perceive this a little bit. I mean, the con the consistency of discipline that you talked about does resonate. Like, I mean, you, you, yeah, we we would get into trouble, and you would get a punishment, and then they would call my mom, and then tell her, and then if I was involved to the same degree, I would just get the same punishment. But if they didn't have the conversation, I wouldn't get any punishment at all. But so I knew that like you were getting this, there were always um, repercussions for you. So, and yeah, so some we would break the rules together, but I would, you know, we'd have to reach some but, momentum and you would have to overcome a lot. But so, versus me and my But you weren't my rebellious. Brother. So like if you were like, I, I oh, think, Cole's So I think you're the same. I mean, I think his personality is probably probably more of a rule follower, but I think because of the discipline in your home, you your actions were similar. Yeah, I, I think we're kind of the same in this regard. I think that compared- But it's more about them, the parents, yeah, than I would it is say about compared with like the general, the general population, as kids, both of us were what you would call a rule follower. Now, we're, we may have been mischievous, right? Yeah. Well, let's do some prank calls or whatever, or let's listen to, in my brother's case, it's like I'm gonna I'm gonna get the most explicit gangster rap cassettes available, and then let my brother and his best friend listen to them. Yeah. But still, am I going to do the things that the adults in my life expect, at least externally? Yes. Am I going to be known as a as a rebel kid? No. And that was that was this, the same for both of us. So this 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 trope didn't really hold true. Let's move on to the middle child before we forget. Okay. You know, I, I was tempted to skip middle children entirely and then at the very end realize it <laughs> as a joke and then just end the episode. Mm. But um, let's not do that, let's talk about middle children. Ear Biscuits is supported by the farmer's dog. Dogs will eat basically anything you put in front of them. And if you're Barbara, you will like <laughs> seek it out off of tables, counters. That, that woman is crazy, <laughs> uh, that woman being my dog. Uh, so it's important to be putting the right kind of food in their bowls. Right, and when you care about your dogs as much as we care about ours, you know, a thoughtful approach to what goes in those bowls makes sense. Yes, the farmer's dog is real, fresh, healthy food with whole meat and veggies gently cooked in human-grade kitchens to preserve their nutritional value. Just tell them about your dog and they'll deliver personalized vet-developed recipes for as little as $2 a day. The meals arrive pre-portioned and in ready-to-serve packs delivered on your schedule. Millions of meals have been ordered across the country. We've been partnering with the Farmer's Dog for a few years now and they really are as good as they say. It really has never been easier to invest in your dog's health with fresh food. Get 50% off your first box of fresh, healthy food at thefarmersdog.com slash ear. All right, so let's move to youngest child. Uh -huh. <laughs> you get it? 
See, I still did it. All right, middle child, Cyrus Cole responded, I'm number six of nine kids. That still happens? Parents still have like nine kids these days? It could be a farm. It, it must be a farm. But but no, but now there's with factory farming, the families don't. So this is not a farm. What is it? It's I just, don't know. I don't know, parents want an audience? <laughs> I mean, when Chrissy and I first got married and like, we had we were friends with families that had a lot of kids, and we just thought that was we'd go visit them or like Chrissy would keep babysit the kids sometimes, and it would just seem so exciting. I mean, we thought we were going to have like six kids. Hmm. That was that was crazy. That was crazy talk. Well, you you you, uh, you wised up. It, yeah. only, it only took three for you to wise up. Yeah, it really it took I mean, two. For me, well, after the second one, I mean, we had quite a negotiation before before uh, making the third happen. Because I got to name him Lando, he exists. I, <laughs> I had to reiterate that story to him the other day. I don't know why he didn't know that. I was like, you know, you wouldn't be here if your name wasn't Lando. Never complain about your it. Your mom agreed to letting me name the third child if it was a boy, and then we went for it. When I said, when she said, okay, I will agree to Lando as a name. He likes his name though. Cyrus says, I'm number six of nine kids. Being in the middle left the impression on me of being easily forgotten I think a that, lot. I think that might just be because you're a, one of nine children. I mean, of course they're this, gonna forget This things. is a trope though. Left at stores, church, et cetera, and my favorite, not getting picked up from soccer practice multiple times, no cell phone. It was quite traumatizing as a kid and took years to heal. Dang, Cyrus, thanks for sharing. I'm sorry that you were traumatized by being left alone at soccer practice multiple times. Um, yeah, you got the, you, but in general, this is the thing. Middle child just gets lost in the mix. N not necessarily. Literally. Literally. Lincoln, the middle child in our home is, you know, he's, he's quiet. He's not gonna be the first to like come into a room and just take over the conversation uh, whereas both Lily and Lando will do that. You know, I'm here and I'm assuming nothing was happening until I showed up or, <laughs> but, but Lincoln, you'll just, you realize he's been there on the couch for like a while. He kinda, he kinda <laughs> slips in and slips out. I mean, especially over this past year, there's a lot of slipping into his room and into his world of video games and connecting, connecting with his friends right. via his headset and screen, right? Um, but I've noticed that he does this thing where, um, well, I'm actually getting to the next one, so I'll, I'll, I'll wait on that. But I'm trying to, have we left him anywhere? Not, not, not physically. I mean, I, I think that, uh, again, I can't speak to this because this doesn't exist in my family, either one I, the one I came from or the one that I currently have. Um, but I am interested in if you think that this this uh, Teresa's comment, yellow sun 11. I'm number four of five kids and I'm definitely a people pleaser and try to keep the peace. My default is to suppress my feelings and desires as unimportant and instead defer to my siblings and others' wishes, especially noticeable and annoying when trying to decide what's for dinner. Well, with Lincoln, the one exception is what's for dinner. That is, strong that opinion is, about that, that is the one thing that he's, he's gonna be the first to suggest, hey, what are we gonna have for dinner? I got an idea. 
we need to get hot chicken from this place, or we need to get this type of chicken from this place, or hot chicken from this other place. It's like he, he's mm. obsessed with that. Um, but do you, do you feel like but other he's ever food, been a peacekeeper between Lily and Lando? Um, he is, he doesn't settle arguments between the two of them, but what he does is he doesn't ruffle feathers. He knows how to work w- within me and Christy's demands. Like if we're like, clean your room, or hey, your his job is to take out the trash and to move the trash cans back, and if I tell him to do it, he's learned whenever I have a plan, or even if it's something like, hey, you know what? This afternoon, I think we're gonna play. We're gonna play a board game as a family. He's learned that the best thing to do is just to say yes. Like if I have one of these type of ideas, even though it may not be what he wants to do, he knows that like I'm so excited about it, and that the right answer. He knows what the right answer is, and he will say it. But then, behind the scenes and practically. He he'll do he can kind of finesse it to get get some extra screen time out of it, or you know it's like I'm like hey we're gonna play he he's in there on the screen I go in there I'm like hey we're gonna play a board game in like an hour and he's like okay I'm like it's just so refreshing because the other two they're like there's always a negotiation well I got this plan or I'm this and I'm that I'm sure he had he has things that he would rather be doing and wants to do but he knows the right answer like. It makes it a lot easier to then move forward. And then by the way, an hour from now, they're probably gonna be wrapped up in something else and it'll end up being two hours, three hours, and we may not play at all. And I'll just be in here, you know, you can come get come get me if you wanna do it. But he just he has this like zoomed out perspective that like the conflict and the drama is just not for him. You know, and and so that's sometimes what we'll be like having a dramatic moment as a family, and you look up, and he'll be gone. It's just like and it's it, just not and I, worth that, it. That could just be, that could just be his disposition. It I mean, could like, be like, like both of my kids again. But it's if, but it is if a trope. I, if kind if, of if I thing. open the door and say, and I could be like, we're going to have a circus at our house and everything that you've ever wanted will be available to you. Mm-hmm. They'll be like, well, I've got plans. Like, all you gotta do is have a suggestion as to something that you wanna do and my kids right. will respond with why they don't wanna do it. It's almost like, again, I, well, I, again I, it's a knee-jerk response. Two out of three, that's the experience in my home too. So, yeah, it could be, but you don't, you don't see him settling arguments between the two, between Lily and, and Lando. No, I see Being him, the negotiator. No, what I see him doing is just like smiling and kind of laughing at it, like shaking his head. Right. Like he's always like, I'm I'm not in this fray. Like it's not, I you know, he prides himself on a low, living a low stress life, staying on the fringe of things, you know. It's, well, th- I mean, I would go say. Go with the flow. What I would have said, not just about middle children, but definitely like in Cyrus's case with being Six of nine kids. I have to believe, and again, this is, and we're gonna we're gonna jump around a little bit here because I'm gonna get your response as an only child to this because mm-hmm. my the one thing that makes sense to me, and I don't know, and again, I don't know what the science says about this. It just seems logical. Is that the larger the family, the more you had to learn to be deferential and accommodating to people in your space. It might be you had like. Just something as simple as 
if you shared a room with someone growing up, you are going to be, a, the way that you defer to people and the way that you see your personal space and the way that you see your items and your and getting your way is going to be different than somebody who was by themselves. And I've always thought that that's why you are really particular about a lot of things and when you think, oh, yeah. when, when people try to take you in a different direction, it's, it's a big adjustment because you didn't have to accommodate anybody. And I had to do that a little bit with having one brother, but somebody like Cyrus, who's from a family right. of nine, you could talk that guy into anything, right? Probably. <laughs> I mean, he, in other words. We're gonna test it, Cyrus. Flexibility. Like you, you, I would think that the size of your family, not in every case, has to have some correlation to your personal flexibility. Yeah, asserting your own preferences or not, or deferring. And expect, consideration and, and, and sort of having an expectation, like if, if your preferences always won, then you're going to have a bigger problem with your preferences not winning as an adult, right or wrong? Uh, yeah, I think so, because it's, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a shock to the system when you, ha you know, if you, just, yeah, absolutely. Right. I, I don't, I, I don't know if there was a, like when, when I left home and went off to college and we became roommates, that would have been the first test of like, oh, I'm living in the same room with somebody. Um, I don't recall us having arguments about that at that point. I, I feel like the reason that it's worked mostly well, it might, I mean, there may be like things that are, that are mildly annoying to me, but I feel like the reason that most of that has, well, we, in fact, we were talking to, to, to Mike, Mike McCard the other day, and we were talking about the fact that we were high school, uh, college roommates, and he was like, "Oh, and you're and and you're still friends." That's the amazing thing is that you live together during college. Like that's a huge test of friendship. Yeah, I think a big part of it is most of the things that you are particular about in a living space. I kind of just don't care. Like, how cold is it in here? I don't know. I don't really care. Make it the temperature that you want. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't have an equally strong yep. opinion about a lot of those things. So. I, mean, I you, would just say, like, where should this a, poster be? Where should this couch be? You had assertive parents, and you had an older brother, and I had, I had myself. Right, and so I, so I just tend to be like, all right, Lane's gonna have an opinion about where this couch is, and et cetera, and and I don't have an opinion about it, and so why didn't he just make the decision about this? Yeah, Hannah Batch said, I'm an only child, and my fiance is a middle child of four, and it's perfect. I'm used to getting my way, and he's used to letting other people do what they want. So, right. yeah, so in our dynamic, it, it does work. I mean, if you were if you were a firstborn, that would be an interesting test or if we were of our friendship. If we were both only oh, gosh, children. If we were both only children. This, we wouldn't be sitting at that, this table that, right now. I don't now. think that, yeah, I don't, I don't, I think that wouldn't, there'll be, there would be no test at and all. And I tend to be really, I, I tend to be a very deferential person when it comes to a whole slew of like, you know, what things look like, what things feel like, living situation, bathroom. I tend to be very deferential about all that stuff. I'm, but there are things that I care a whole lot about, but they tend to be, it tends to be a pretty narrow spectrum of things that I care a whole lot about. And, and I kind of put all my energy into those things. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I don't even know exactly what those things are, but I think that's one of the reasons that this has not been like a lasting source of conflict for us.
Yeah, we're in a fortunate birth order situation here. Ear Biscuits is supported by Superfeet. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain? Well, guess what? Your feet don't have to hurt. When you add the signature orthotic shape of Superfeet insoles to your shoes, you give your feet comfort and support where they need it most, helping redistribute forces to reduce stress and strain on your entire body, not just your feet. Superfeet insoles are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. Since 1977, Superfeet has helped millions of people worldwide experience the life-changing magic of comfy, pain-free feet. Superfeet insoles upgrade the fit, feel, and function of your footwear to help you feel your best. The signature orthotic shape of Superfeet gives your feet the right type of support where you need it most. Physicians not only recommend Superfeet to their patients, they wear Superfeet insoles in their own shoes. Superfeet is the number one doctor worn and recommended insole. Superfeet has thousands of five-star reviews and is the insole of choice for top athletes on the field, on the ice, and on the slopes and everywhere in between. Superfeet has a wide range of insoles for every activity, every shoe, and every foot. From cushioned and flexible to firm and supportive, you can dial in your fit by taking their quick online quiz. We took the quiz, we've got our, mm -hmm. our insoles coming, they're on their way. You just answer a few short questions and Superfeet will recommend the best insole choice for you. For a limited time, Superfeet is having its biggest sale of the year. Go to superfeet.com to save 25% off site-wide and get free shipping. Hurry, sale pricing ends June 5th. Let's go to youngest children. So this is this is you. So we're on to you. Uh, Rachel Black said, "I'm the youngest out of my sister, and I, and I get away with a lot more, but also don't have the high expectations put on me, um, which can be both good and bad." I mean, we kind of talked about this a little bit. Uh, for me, this was not the case because my parents were super consistent. It is kind of the case with our kids. But I think it's it's a combination of factors. But without a doubt, like what Shepherd is allowed to watch, what Shepherd is allowed to say, yeah, what he's allowed to do is significantly significantly more lenient than I mean, like you know, we again we come from a conservative evangelical background. Early on, when Lot was really little and he wanted to play with Pokemon cards, like the, Jesse had questions about that because of the evolution aspect of Pokemon cards. I yeah. mean, that, that's how ingrained that, that, that idea was, is like, I don't know about that because I know that those things evolve. Right. <laughs> Just to give you a, a little yeah. slice of where we come from. That that one's more extreme than the Harry Potter example, which is also true. It's like Harry Potter really took off before before we were having kids, but we were too old to be into it ourselves. But eventually Lily got into it, but it wasn't, I mean, Lando is reading Harry Potter now and has been for a year or so. But when Lily was you know, nine, 10, 11 years old, there was no Harry Potter in our house. Right. Because of the witchcraft stuff. Uh, and because I wasn't into it and it was a residual of that witchcraft stuff that was just like, practically speaking, we're not gonna, but now gonna if, get if, you into if, that. If I went into Shepard's room and he was reading The Adventures of Satan and His Demons, I'd be like, are you into that? <laughs> I mean, right. I'm, just, I'm just saying I completely, again, I, I'm not scared of any of, of that stuff. I don't believe that it's a reality. So um, 
In other words, like. And we're not gonna push our kids towards something by trying to, by, by setting up the goads for them to kick against. Yeah. I think that's another part of our philosophy that has shifted is, you know, don't, don't let fear drive set up walls. Yeah. You know, it's more yeah, like, let's you, have open conversations about things and, you know, if, if there are legitimate dangers associated with things, then let's really get into the details and discuss it so it's not about just a blind rule or all of a sudden there's a wall here and it's like no questions asked. And I, Well, yeah, and to clarify, I'm using the example of the adventures of Satan and his demons as a um, in purposely inflammatory thing that I know is going to upset some people because you know I like to do that, but um, it's kind of like the He little, doesn't have that book? The, he does not have that book. It was just a, a, a funny example. But even if you think about like, let's just talk about the Lil Nas X thing for a second, right? And the satanic panic that's happening around that. I do think that, you know, rewind 10 years and if my kid, my kid, neither one of my kids is, you know, would consider themselves much of a Lil Nas X fan, but they're both aware of the Montero video mm -hmm. and the controversy that it's, that it's causing. And I, there was a time where I would have been afraid to just let them watch that and for us to have a conversation about it. Now, I understand that the whole point of the video is to cause the panic and cause the reaction for branding purposes. That's what Lil Nas X was doing from the very beginning and a bunch of uh, people took the bait and got mm -hmm. very upset about it. I mean, it was hook, line, and sinker. They just took the bait and got upset about the video and the shoes that had blood in them, right? A lot of people, um, and I think that now it's just like, hey, can't we have? Can't we step back and just? It isn't like, oh, kids, you can do and say whatever you want to. It's not that there are no rules. It's that the things that are important and the things that are actually going to be um, potentially harmful and dangerous to them. Let's have real, meaningful conversations about them, and let's kind of say that, hey, all these things that we thought might be dangerous and harmful actually aren't and we, we can still have a conversation about why some people see it that way. So so with our youngest kids, there's a lot more leniency in our in our parenting because because we're ev evolving, you know, our our perspectives are evolving. And there's you know, it's there's so much that you want to protect your kids from in every single day. There's so much more out there that they can be exposed to that could be damaging. Um, so you you've got to be even more strategic in choosing the right battles because if you battle everything, it's it's there's a sense that it just won't work. And I think that there nothing will stick. As a very very broad generalization, there are, there are two types of kids, right? There are the kids who are going to do the subversive, transgressive things, and there are kids who are not going to do them. And whether, and if you are the kind of kid who is sort of wired to do the transgressive things and you grow up in a really conservative atmosphere, you are going to break bad and you're gonna break bad in a real big way a lot of times, right? But if you're a super, and if you're a rule follower and you grow up in that, you might just get out okay and just be a rule follower for the, for the rest of your life. Or you might get fixated on it. Like, yeah. I mean, with Lando, he's at a stage right now and you know it's a, we're we're figuring it out and what it means and 
kind of tracing it back and figuring out what our path forward is. But like he, get, you know, he gets worked up about anything that feels like it's a violation of a rule, not a, not a rule like a societal rule, whether it's you know a curse word or even like uh, anything that's offensive or embarrassing, like a fart. And again, that's you not know, something he, that came from you. No, he's very he's very sensitive. So for him, it's like we're trying to help him understand a grid through which to interpret what what is actually dangerous or what is what it what does it mean for something to be offensive, you know, um, or not, so that there's not unnecessarily tall walls built up around him that keeps him from a truly you know fully experiencing his life. <laughs> right, so so another way to say it is. So it's like tearing down walls for we're, him. We're actually. both, I would say, you know, in, in to similar degrees lenient on our youngest kids, but they are, they operate with different levels of personal leniency because they are different kids. Oh yeah. Again, I just think it's so much has to do with just the disposition of the kid. It's. I don't know, the the more I parent, the more powerless I feel as a parent. <laughs> it's, I'm just being honest with you, I'm just, I, that's, I'm, that's my experience. Apartments.com has more rental listings than anywhere else. So finding the perfect place is easier than ever and so is finally moving in together, just the two of you. It's a big step, lots of new responsibilities, lots of adjustments, most likely they'll wake you up at odd hours to go to the bathroom. And you'll most definitely find yourself in trouble coming home late for dinner. They may even unroll all your toilet paper next time. It's just what happens when you two find a new place together but you're not doing it because you feel like it. No, you're doing it because you love them, because they're family. And that's why Apartments.com has more pet-friendly rental listings on the internet. Did you know that's what we were talking about? Yes. Pets. So that you and your furry family can find the perfect new place together. Apartments.com, the place to find a pet-friendly place. Uh, now this, this aspect of being a younger child I, it really, Intrigues me from uh, parody, mm -hmm. uh, Mythic Annoy. I'm two years younger than my sister. It's a bittersweet relationship. One thing I hate about it is all the competition. All my grades are compared to hers, all my talents are compared to that of hers. Living that way for 18 years, I have learned to calculate my self worth from other people's achievements. It's not about what I like or what I can do, it's more about Am I better than the other person because that is the only way my parents will accept me? Hmm. Um, wow, okay, so we've already, we, we've talked a lot about my competitive, competitive nature. Uh, we had one very infamous podcast where I tried to convince you that you were also competitive. <laughs> and I won that argument. Yeah. Um, so. That was a joke. The, uh, I am, and, and I think another way to, to, to say it is, I definitely come from a performance-based household, right? Now, I I am incredibly thankful and grateful for the way my parents raised me and I think I have so, so much to be thankful for. I do think that they had high expectations for performance, right? It was like when you brought home the good grades and you and you are you excelled in a sport, like you receive praise for those kinds of things. Uh and so I think that the way that my personality interacted with that is I was like, oh, I see how this game works. Mm -hmm. And I turned a lot of things into a game and it's turned me into a very performance-based person. I'm an Enneagram three 
And so I kind of enter into every single arena of life thinking about how I can win, right? How I can come out on top of the situation, not necessarily at the expense of other people, but just like I want to be good at this thing that I am now engaging with, right? Um, I've never thought about it being anything to do with birth order or in comparison to my brother until now, <laughs> until until this uh, so, observation was so made. So do you do you recall? I mean comparing yourself. He was he was older, you know, I don't know if basketball is a good example. I know that you guys both were like laser focused on on basketball. You know, he was on he was on the high school team. Uh you were you you were on the JV team as a freshman, so you were never on the same squad. One game. One game? State playoffs my freshman year they pulled me up to varsity and we were on the court in the first round of the state playoffs for like a few plays. And did and you compare? Coach Gage just did it so that I think he just did it so they could be like the McLaughlin boys are on the on the floor at the same time. You would, would you did would you I pass it nothing. to each other? I mean, I was a freshman. I was like I'd been on JV. I had been on JV, not starting by the way as a freshman. Oh, so because, you shit your pants because Coach Mace, in his great wisdom, played Jason Batman before me. Oh, you're bitter. <laughs> I am a little bit bitter about that, but Coach Gage was like, I don't know what Coach Mace is doing, but I know that you're good and we're gonna bring you up to varsity in your sophomore year, which he did, but he also brought me up for the for the state playoffs. So, so yeah, there was a- You guys will be out in your front yard on your basketball court both doing there drills. There was a whole lot of competitiveness between the two of us with whatever we were doing. Like, like playing one-on-one. Playing one-on-one, and... one, playing horse, some of the most like epic, long extended ver games of horse in the summertime. One-on-one -on -one games that would often end with me crying and running inside because I was the younger one and I was losing most, like almost all the time until maybe till in high school every once in a while I might be able to to, to win just because I was getting so tall. Uh-huh. Um, How tall is Cole? Six two? It, okay. Six, if, okay, yeah. He might have me by a couple inches. Um, I think that, here's the thing, I I don't, I think that he also might, I don't know if he knows what Enneagram he is, but he's got a lot of three in him. Um, and so, I think that he's also an achiever and a performer. And so, I don't think, again, it. I don't think it was, hey, I'm a performer because I was a younger sibling. I think that maybe both of us are, are that way because there was, first of all, kind of pre-wired to that and then, growing up in a family that kind of reinforced that. So we both kind of are task and goal-oriented people. Um, but th there was a there was a lot of comparison. Um, and I, but I don't remember, I, I don't remember. Like you didn't. My, my parents saying things like, well your brother did this so you need to do that. I don't remember, I don't remember that. Y you guys had a decent relationship. I mean, from my perspective, coming over for sleepovers, like I would interact with Cole too. Like we would listen to music. Y yes, you would. He would give me the 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 LL Cool J tape, and you would play the Young MC tape, and you would both try to tell me who, try to argue which was the coolest, and which made me feel awesome. Like here, I was like the swing vote here, but he was involved. Who did I say was cooler, Young MC? I think you had the Young MC tape, yeah. Hmm. And he had, uh, Kumo, Kumo D is cooler. 
But you said LL Cool J. And Cool Mo- he had both of those. He, you know, he had, he, he young had the cooler. M- young MC is not cool. He was cool for a moment, but no, no longevity. Yeah, your brother was right at the time. Yeah. But my point is, when I would come over to a sleepover, there would be interactions. Like I would experience, you know, I would see you two interact. It's not like he wouldn't have anything to do with me or you because we were like so much younger. You guys, you guys had an active relationship. Yeah. And, I mean, there was a friendship component to it, right? I mean, it, you didn't hate each other. <laughs> we got into a lot of fights. I would say that, um, I don't know. I, I, I don't think we were as emotionally available to each other and reliant on each other as I would say even Locke and Shepard are, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and Locke and Shepard have a, a, a much larger age difference, which can both exacerbate and help that sort of reliance on one another. I think in their case, it has enhanced that emotional connection. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I think that it wasn't until we got to be adults that we would maybe have a conversation that was heavy deeper and kind of went below the surface of like, are we talking, like as kids it was, let's have a conversation about what we're doing and how we're, con- we're doing it better, how we could do it better, but we're not gonna have a conversation about how we feel, yeah. <laughs> you know? But that, but that was kind of also a family thing for us too, right? And we didn't talk a whole lot about feelings in my family. They weren't, it, it wasn't that feelings were bad, it was just that it wasn't something that Talking about feelings was not valued. But you did you didn't my persuasion is you didn't have any buried feelings with a, of animosity towards your brother. No. I mean, the fights that you would have as in I you know, he would pick on you about having a crush on somebody and then you would get really angry and I remember him running back into his room and you had a, deo, a stick of deodorant in your hand and you threw it yeah. at his door that he just slammed in your face. Mm -hmm. And I think it made a hole in the door. I think it may have dented it. Yeah, and I think the thing thing about that is that. I was like, I'm glad I'm an only child. He would see. I wanna get hit with deodorant. He would see that he could get you to join in and that would make me very mad. If he recruited, recruited my friends to be a part of this thing, like that's harder to deal with than just him doing it. But he would also do this thing where he would, this isn't something, no one really talked about this, but I've seen this with Locke and Shepard. Now this is an older, younger thing I've seen quite a bit. He would talk about how it was gonna be so difficult for me when I got to fill in the blank grade. He'd be like, when you get to fourth grade, <laughs> it's gonna rock your world. And then I would get to fourth grade and it would be just as fun as first grade. I always loved school and never thought that it was difficult, right? Uh-huh. And, uh, but, so you don't, it never worked, he never scared you? Every time I would get to the grade, it would be fine. And, <laughs> and it became a, it became this funny like uh, recurring joke in my family. It's like, well Red's in seventh grade now and he says it's okay. You know, so Cole definitely would warn me about things. There was that, there was, that had happened quite a bit. I'm super jealous of not having an older brother. Like when it comes to music is is one thing. That's why I brought that up is that, or or whatever the case, whether it's like any terms, like my development was stunted, I believe. You know, when you have an older brother, like you're talking about, you're observing Cole with his girlfriend and figuring out 
you know, kind of between the lines what they're up to, you mm-hmm. know. It might be, you know, you're gaining confidence that I know this guy. I live with this guy. This guy's ridiculous. If he can have a girlfriend, I can have a girlfriend. You know, it's like I I had so little confidence to even have a girlfriend. And I would and I I felt like I missed out on that. When it came to music, it's just just exposure to cool things that were a kind of above my head or movies, you know? Uh, yeah, most of the kids who end up, end up introducing that, you to the things that are for older kids usually have an older brother. Right, like Lando watches, I mean, he's he's got a lot of stipulations about what he'll allow himself to enjoy. <laughs> again, it's self-imposed, but for us it's like, Again, we want to watch things that we enjoy, and he's just along for the ride, you know. Whereas with the younger kids, when the first kids were younger, it was more just catering to things that were age specific. But by the time you get to three, it's just like, hey, you're going to be stretched a little bit because there's other people pulling the 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 median age of this whole group up. And so again, you adapt. That that's not a birth order thing. That's a personality thing because most, well. In my experience personally, in my experience with my family, and what I would say is my anecdotal evidence, most younger kids are excited about getting to do the things that their their uh, older siblings were not allowed to do. Like the idea of right. getting away with something, watching something that you're not supposed to watch, like that's, most kids are kinda like, they don't impose their own standards like Lando does. And so I just think, again, that's not a birth order family dynamic thing, I just think it's like, this is how these particular kids are wired. I wanted to bring up another dynamic. Um, I love when we put out these um, prompts and then we get back something that wasn't on our radar. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about if you're a twin, because we've made an executive decision that, we're not talking about twins. They creep me out and I don't wanna have have nothing to do with it. Speaking of the devil. So they are- The twins are a result of the devil's activities. (laughs) You guys are out. Yeah. Triplets, whoa, don't get me started on oh, that. Oh, don't even say the word quadruplets. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, but I thought this is this is great. I'll bundle these three together. Um, if you have a, a sibling with special needs, Ashley tweeted, I'm the youngest with just an older brother. My brother has autism. It's weird being the youngest by age but being treated like the oldest for most things. I'm more of a parent than a sister to him. Love my brother to death though and wouldn't change a thing. Um, Sophia responded, said, being the younger sibling of an autistic child has been tough at times, but it has also given me compassion and patience at the times I needed it the most. And then um, Caroline responded, also younger sibling, I'm the youngest, but one of my older brothers is disabled and has always needed round the clock care. I'm now a special school teacher and have a passion for helping disabled students find purpose. I love the fact that we got these responses to, you know, to expand this conversation. It's interesting that all three of them are younger siblings who have a, an older special need sibling. Um, obviously that's not always the case, but I think it's mm-hmm. it's a little more unexpected that, okay, as a younger sibling, you're not getting away with more, you're having this older sibling experience and it's it's you know being a part of a family dynamic like this you 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 learn things that 
a lot of us never have, I will say the privilege of learning, expand who you are. I love, you know, when they're all saying, I wouldn't change it for the world. Um, I've grown so much as a person. I've accessed a level of compassion and patience yeah. that develops me. I mean, it's well, and that's extremely difficult. And I don't have any, cool. any, any personal experience with this, but everyone that I know um, who has a family member with special needs um, has this increased sort of appreciation for life, and I don't mean like, mm -hmm. oh, I'm so glad that I'm not in this situation, but no, like being in the relationship with a person who has special needs has like given them a perspective on life that is uh, like deeper. And it's not, you know, you got Caroline saying that she is helping disabled uh, students find purpose. I also think that disabled people help us find purpose. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I think that that is a really common theme that you see uh, and people who have members in their families who have special needs is that they have not been, okay, now first of all, okay, yes, in, 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 in lots of cases, maybe there is a burden aspect to it and that this is, a, this is a lot of work, this is a lot of attention, there's a lot of sacrifices that are made by parents and by siblings, of course, sure. that's an aspect. I can only, I can't imagine because I don't have that experience. Um, but at the same time, I think that there's a huge blessing that comes with that, and I think you're seeing that in these, in these mythical beasts who shared. As we shift to the only child responses, you know, I'm just very, I'm just struck with how how much you are shaped by the environment you grow up in. In terms of like, it, again, it's not just about birth order, but it's about additional personalities in your home, and like the the deeply intimate level of exposure you have to people who are you know either adults or developing kids at different ages it's just i mean it 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 has to have an impact on how you develop at at least in the short term when you're in that situation you know in comparison to being an only child being in people's mess you know and understanding uh you know, you just really get to know people <laughs> when you when you are related to them and live with them, and living on top of each other. Um, and yeah, so I I do feel like I missed out. Bree Shear tweeted, "Growing up being an only child was awful. Uh, wow, I was so lonely. I always wanted a sibling, and constantly annoyed my parents to give me one." <laughs> Say, give me a sibling. Um, well, it, you know, there's a process involved. Yeah, well, a story. Bree. I Did you a, want I, this? I have a lot of, I don't recall ever asking for a sibling. I mean, you know, my mom, Yeah, because I had the half sister and then there was the divorce and it was just like, well, it's like, okay, mom is single. Uh, it's just the two of us. It, it just wasn't an environment to like hope for a sibling. It's just that it didn't seem like that was something that was gonna happen. But I think there, maybe there were some kids that would have been like, oh, I hope she gets married and then I'll have like, a, there'll be a baby. Like, did you ever think? I don't that? think so. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. Did you so. ever hang out with babies and think, oh, I would like one of these in my house? She had a, her friend Donna, I remember had like this cute little toddler daughter 
And I remember like being in, infatuated with her as like a in a younger sister kind of way, like holding the, holding the baby or playing with the the toddler. And like, um, I mean, I had a few baby dolls myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if that was some sort. I think there was a. It was more of a. Uh, it's so, you know, these babies are so cute, but maybe there was a loneliness thing. I definitely remember being in my room, even when I had the the stepsister. You know, the age difference was such that like we really didn't have a relationship. I would be in my room a lot, listening to the radio or playing with my GI Joes. You know, I've told the story. I I didn't listen to the radio or music for the longest time because my stepsister liked music. Yeah, I just wanted to you assert differentiate yourself. My my myself, but yeah, I mean, and I was certainly lonely, and I had this. Um, I mean, uh, Sav tweeted at us S A V Sikvana. as an only child from Harnett County with a single mom. What just like me. I felt like I was socially behind my peers. It wasn't until college that I found and developed a personality and opinions that were wholly my own. Um, I struggle with boundaries of oversharing and self-isolation. I often resent not having a sibling to confide in who could understand exactly where I'm coming from without the judgment that a parent might have. Even when I know my parents want the best for me, it's still a lot of pressure and responsibility to be a good daughter. So, I mean, I relate to being socially stunted, I, I was, you were had a voracious appetite to spend the night at other kids' homes <laughs> of any age. Yeah. <laughs> it was, and that's so strange to me. Insatiable. I, I mean, as close as we became, I know I was very anxious to go spend the night at your house or you know other kids' homes and I rarely did it. I just didn't, and then whenever I would go over and we would interact with like the other kids in the neighborhood. It was it was a high anxiety situation for me. Looking back on it, like I just wasn't I wasn't used to being around a bunch of boisterous, assertive kids. I definitely remember in preschool being afraid of all the other all the other boys, and I would hang out with the girls because at least they were chilled out. Well, and you but you also went to like a a preschool. Kind of daycare situation earlier than I did. I did, yeah. Um, I did preschool out here actually in Thousand Oaks was the first. But again, yeah, it's funny because I actually am more on the introverted side as an adult. I'm to I'm fine with with large groups of people and I can adapt to it and I don't and I and I can my anxiety can I don't have a lot of anxiety. It's just it's not my preference. My preference is to be alone, right? But it's weird that as a kid, my preference was very much like it's almost like I yeah. got it all out of the way. It's like oh, we, you know, we and we change over time in that way yeah. too. Yeah, so I, it's it, not locked in. That's for sure. Because I would, I, I actually consider you. I mean, I, I don't know. You're kind of borderline introvert extrovert. I think I, but, I'm trying to figure out how much this pandemic has has influenced that about me because I like. I'm I'm noticing that I really have to make up my mind to get out of mm-hmm. my my house, my comfort zone, and my my very small plans. And you know, it's so I'm in this I'm in a transition period of like getting back out into the world, as a lot of us are. But um, back in the day, as a kid, I think it you know it was I I had 
I caught up, but I had a lot of catching up to do by you know by high school. And I was, and we've talked about this before, but I never perceived any of this. Like I did not have any perception that you were uncomfortable. I mean, it, okay, yeah, we went to Camp Caraway and you didn't take a dump the entire but, week, but I was just like, okay, I mean, it happens. <laughs> Sometimes shit doesn't happen, <laughs> right? But I don't remember thinking like, I mean, maybe my mom was like, you know, Link is having her, she she never told me that, if I, at least I don't remember. Link is really nervous about this week and you need to help him. I, right. I, I didn't have any any idea that you were no, not I having mean, a great time that I was having. Like every single thing that we were doing, I was just like, this is all, everything about this is awesome. I tend to think that about everything that I'm experiencing, I tend to think that yeah. I inflate it and make it even better than it actually is before and after and during, right? I don't know where that what that comes from, but I never had any indication that you weren't just having as great of a time as I was having. Yeah, for me it's I mean if you, if I try to get specific to like if you have an older sibling who's going to hold you down and and drip spit from their mouth and dangle it onto your face. Never hit my face. Yeah, again, right. Had a lot of control. It never hit your face. So you learn it's like this guy's all bark no bite. But for ne some, we never punch each other in the face. And you never punch each other in the we face. Just, we did the old Charlie horse. That was that was our go-to. But for but for me, you know, I had to I had to learn this out in the with like acquaintances. It's like oh, this person is boisterous. I don't I don't know what they're up against. Do they? Does this kid have a knife? None of the kids had knives. But it, and I don't recall fixating on knives. But I'm just using an example of like you know I had to assess these things and come to these. Uh, experience how people put on certain ways and that, that doesn't necessarily mean that they can back it up or that that's, that's the complete picture of who they are. The more people you live with and grow up with, the more you realize we're all full of shit and we're all, you know, we're all putting on our masks and protecting ourselves because you can see through that in your own home. I just have one person in my home for most of my, you know, growing up. So I just had that data point. But, but that might. But the science says that again. You catch up and you're okay. I, I again. I just don't know how much. I mean, I think that the whole. I definitely think that the whole feeling like you're behind and like you're. Oh, I'm hearing this for the first time because I didn't have an older brother or older sister to tell me. I that, that completely makes sense. But the like anxiety or I don't trust this person. I tend to think that it's just personality. personality. Sure. Sure. Has a lot to do with it. I mean, I wonder if my kids ask me sh how many kids I should have. I mean, we're you know we're in such we're in such a different world now. But I think my inclination, from based on my experience, is to not. And I'm I'll even make a joke with people. Sometimes it goes something like this: uh, Congratulations on the new baby. Um, you know, you need to go ahead and have another one because you don't want to. Only child, you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that to your kids. And There's not really a joke in there. And then they're like, "Well, we, that's what we were planning on doing. We're in it's Los like, Angeles, and we just want one child." I know. I try not to tell people how many kids to have unless they ask me, and no one ever asks me, so I end so up. So you just tell them anyway. If I if I'm pressed to to give advice, it would be don't just have one kid. It's better. It's better to. It's better on everybody to have a second one, except for the parents. I think. 
So either either don't have children or if you're gonna have children, have two kids. Yeah. Or three? Uh, I'm happy that we have three. I can't imagine having four and I'm so, I, I mean like, he, he, he really swept, slipped under the wire there. You know, barely got through and I'm glad, I'm glad he did but like there was, ne- there's never ever a point in my mind that I wish I had a fourth kid. Well there are times, there are times. Christy sometimes seems like she wants a baby again and I'm like, ah! Like I like have this Well it's funny because Jesse, uh, I would say multiple times a year, right? Um, maybe she'll be a day late. And then she'll, she'll be like, and she'll be like, "What if I'm, what if I'm pregnant?" Like she imagines what it would feel like to be pregnant, and uh, thus far, it's been, it is it's definitely seemed like she's staring into an abyss ugh. of doom. Well, she you can't help it. her with it. Imagining what it would be like to be pregnant is a good exercise because that is not a, that's a, that's a tough experience. Having another child or having a baby is a, is a thing that somehow some some people still think is a great idea. Well, so there's definitely nothing about there's nothing from Jesse that is ex- where she's excited about it, right? And again, uh, I'm technic the te- I'm very very unlikely to make my wife pregnant at this point, having had a vasectomy. <laughs> Not impossible, but very unlikely, right? So. For me, it all just boils down to the fact that I've always wanted a, a daughter and my only daughter is Barbara. And I treat her like a little girl and I talk to her about all the, the, that she can achieve, anything that she wants and you know, gr- gr- <laughs> girl power. All my girl power sort of encouragement goes to my dog. Hmm. And um, that's kind of cool in one sense, but it's a little bit sad because you know, Barbara's gonna die at some point. Before she gets to be the age where she would go off to college, she's gonna she's gonna die. Yeah, I'm I'm glad that we 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 experienced um a daughter and sons. And that dynamic having a daughter first and like the the whole bossiness we talked about, like I think that really played into like her personality and stuff like that. But like as as opposed to having a if Lincoln was first and Lily was in the middle, who knows? Everything would be different, maybe. So I think it, it well, all has an impact, but then it doesn't have this lasting, like deterministic impact. Well, speaking of twins, uh, we can close with this. Uh, this, <laughs> this is where twins are actually really helpful, right? Is and I'm not talking about like planned uh, twin experiments, but <laughs> there are some uh, sort of just circumstantial experience, experiments where twins grow up in different environments for they got separated at birth or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know the results of those, so I'm not gonna speak about it, but that is, the only way to know what you just talked about, which is like, well, what would Lily be like if she wasn't the oldest child, um, is if she had a twin that grew up in a different place, or better yet, a triplet or a quadruplet, and they all grew up in different places. Well, I hope, hope nobody comes out of the woodwork. Uh, I mean, the, the author of the, the book The Sibling Effect, What the Bonds Among Brothers and Sisters Reveal About Us, Jeffrey Kluger said, for plenty of us, the only ones left at the end of the dance will be the ones who brung us, the brothers and sisters who have been with us the longest, loved us the hardest, and by a wide margin, know us the best. So 
If you if you got a sibling that you love, send them some love today. And if you don't, we'll send you some love right now. I do think that that that's a good point. It's one thing to have parents who know you, and you know when when, when you're, you're like us and you've uh, lived sort of a a, a weird, unexpected life, and mm-hmm. being able to be successful in a medium where we become these public figures that more people know us than we know people, right? Because we're of our faces being out there. And almost everyone who has a perception of who we are has an incorrect perception of who we are. People incomplete like least. or don't like, whatever, their perception of us is a projection that we have chosen to curate and put on the internet. Now, it's pretty personal, it's pretty real, but it is a curation, right? If, you, if you're if you a fan of us, you like us, you like you don't like who we are and who we would be if you were to live with us or if you were to have grown up with us. Now, having parents who can kind of always ground you and always bring you back down to who you really are is one thing. It's another it is another thing to have a sibling, to have someone who is in your generation who knows exactly who you are and sees you for exactly who you are. Uh and I think that that's something that my brother can do, can do fairly well. Uh, is it, when I have a conversation with him, he having a conversation with him is by default a grounding experience, right? Not, it's not like he's trying to bring he's not trying to ground me. He's not trying to bring me down. Right. But you just when you've got somebody who knows you apart from the curated public image, and this could be good friends too. I mean. It's one of the reasons that it, people it, who are like super famous celebrities who have created sort of a cocoon of people pleasers around them tend to be these narcissistic monsters. Hmm. Um, it's it it's people who, regardless of what level of you know society they have ascended to, quote unquote, have people who know exactly who they are and will tell them exactly what they think. That's a that's a healthy thing, and I think that siblings. Uh, you need a sibling because of that. I guess okay. you just got me. Yeah, you're the closest thing I got, and we, you, you know, we use the marriage analogy more than the sibling analogy because it's, um, because it, you know, when there's no blood, then if you could end at any moment, will there be blood? We're not blood related. There will never be blood. If we punch each other in the face, there might be. Okay, you can deflect at this point, but I'm saying, yeah, there is something different in our relationship than you have with your brother because of that, um, the 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 way the bond was determined. Like, there's something to the blood of it all, right? It's like you For can't. Sure. It, it's it's immutable. Yeah, and so the and and plus, he's not in your. You know, you're. You're not working with him every single day, and you know it's we're not just friends. You got this business that we're, you know, and this brand and everything that we're creating together is a, is a is an extremely connecting and complicating factor in this conversation. But that's why you have something with Cole in those conversations. That yeah, I guess I don't have anybody in that sense, and you're not it. Hmm. I just don't have it. Maybe you can get like a brother, a brother for hire. I, I'm okay. I'm good <laughs> enough. You know, it's you can't recreate that anyway. You know, I I would just rather get my way more often, in other senses. Okay, well, 
that know, will just continue. To, just, to, just to play, yes, just to play the the uh, the only child card. So I, you've got you've got a brother. I've got the only child card. Okay, it all evens out. Let us know what you think. Uh, thank you for those of the hundreds of you who who interacted with us uh, on Twitter. And um, you got a wreck. We'll keep the conversation going. In the meantime, I do have a wreck in effect. Complete left turn, unrelated to everything that we're talking about. Just a book that I'm reading. It is uh, actually super relevant right now. I, I I found myself wanting to read this book because one of the interesting things that things that has happened as we're kind of coming out of the uh, pandemic and things are getting back to normal is oh what do you know mass shootings are a thing again mm-hmm. in America right sadly tragically and there's all this debate about the Second Amendment and I just found myself thinking you know. I don't really, I hear people say things about the Second Amendment and I either didn't pay attention when we talked about this in class or I was never taught it. Um, And so I was like, I'm gonna start maybe reading about the history of the Second Amendment and its its formulation. So I read this book, or I'm like three quarters of the way through it. The Second Amendment, a biography by Michael Waldman. Not a brand new book, I think it was written in 2014. Won some awards, is highly regarded as a great comprehensive sort of exploration of the history of the Second Amendment. Both, the thing that was, I started realizing there was so little that I knew and understood about the formation of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. I couldn't, I'm just gonna be honest with you, I couldn't have told you that the Bill of Rights was like the first list of amendments that was added to the Constitution after it was written. I think I could have told you that, but like, only that. Like I knew, I, I, I couldn't have told you that, and I didn't know exactly why it happened and what it was a reaction to and what the concerns were at the time. I was pretty ignorant of this. Uh, so if you're also ignorant of it or you just happen to be interested in this kind of thing, I, I recommend, it's a short read and uh, it's an easy read, it's not like super academic or anything. Uh, the Second Amendment, a biography by uh, Michael Waldman, just a nice introduction to this, which I think then does influence the way that we think about uh, this very divisive and inflamed, mm. but very important debate that we're having in our country as we're trying to navigate being the country that leads in a lot of things, including by a long shot and by a large margin, people who get killed by gun violence. The Second Amendment, a biography. Michael Waldman. All right, y'all. Hashtag Ear Biscuits. 